This Dharma talk was recorded at Prairie Mountain Zen Center in Longmont, Colorado. This is uh, Prairie Mountain Zen Center, and it's class number four in our winter 2024 six-week class on the platform Sutra. Thank you again, Jodo, for supporting our practice and study. And last week in class three, we studied the formless precepts, uh, how sixth ancestor Huenang teaches us, like the dying Shakyamuni Buddha did, to take refuge in ourself, right? Now be a light unto yourselves, is how the Buddha said it. And the emphasis in this teaching in some ways runs counter to conventional mind, conventional thinking, um, because it is to take, which is typically we take refuge in this concept, this idea of, of the historical Buddha, uh, the external form. Uh, and often this is represented in, in sculpture, like Buddha over my shoulder or in um, a painting. And even just in our idea, our concept of Buddha sitting upright under the Bodhi tree, but external uh, to us. And so instead, this fundamental teaching of Mahayana Buddhism directs us as practitioners back to our own intrinsic Buddha nature. And the foundational practice of the Buddha way, as Dogen Zenji would say, to study the self. To study the Buddha way is to study the self. To study the self is to forget the self. To forget the self is to be actualized by myriad things. And when actualized by myriad things, your body and mind, as well as the bodies and minds of others, drop away. So in this practice, not only do we discover the emptiness or boundlessness of abiding separate self, we also open to this prajna, wisdom, insight, and we open the eye of dharma. And we, uh, as Avalokiteshvara Bodhisattva does in Heart Sutra, opening our eyes and ears and hands of compassion. And that's really where we're going this week, is to investigate Huenang's teaching of Prajnaparamita, the classic phrase that we often translate as wisdom beyond wisdom, or the practice of the perfection of wisdom. The Heart Sutra, as we chant it, is often understood as the great wisdom beyond wisdom, Heart Sutra or Makahanya Haramita Shingyo. And in this, we hear of Alokiteshvara, the great Bodhisattva of compassion, instructing Buddha's disciple, Shariputra, to understand that all five aggregates or qualities of mind are empty, which is to say empty of any abiding permanent self-nature. Red Pine, in the edition that we are studying of Platform Sutra, clarifies Huenang's instruction 
our nature contains the 10,000 dharmas. That's how great it is. And the 10,000 dharmas are our nature. To see humans and non-humans, both the good and the bad, both dharmas and bad dharmas, without rejecting them and without being corrupted by them, this is to be like space. This is what we mean by maha, as in maha Paramita. This is what great means. Red Pine, on page 169, makes an extended comment. He says, the emptiness of our nature contains the 10,000 realities that we give names to. It's a pretty good statement. The emptiness of our nature contains the 10,000 realities we give names to. But all of these realities, dharmas, are not only in our nature, they are our nature. In the Heart Sutra, Avalokiteshvara looks upon the reality of mind and says the five skandhas into which early Buddhists divided the mind are emptiness. And emptiness is the five skandhas. As far as Avalokiteshvara could see, no matter how we divide the mind, whatever categories we apply to it, label it with, there is nothing but emptiness. There's sort of boundlessness. And we can never quite definitively say this is that and this is this other thing. We don't divide up when we truly see in this way. Red Pine goes on to say, this is the true nature of all dharmas, and thus it is the true nature of our mind, which gives rise to all dharmas. And being the true nature of our mind, this emptiness has no limits. Thus it is great. But this greatness can only be realized in the exercise of our minds. Thus, it can also be small. It all depends on us. So classic red pine summing up. It all depends on us, <laughs> our practice, right? Uh, and, and Dogen has this phrase, I think, from Genjo Koan, right? When their field is large, when their need is large, their field is large. When their need is small, their field is small. And, and really speaking about the way we perceive with uh, you know, whether it's relative or absolute self. And finally, of course, that depending on us is the depending on our practice. Huaynang goes on to say, he declares this, really. You may have chanted this, right? So here we are, thinking back to Heart Sutra. We do chant the Heart Sutra now and again. So Huenang is direct coming at us. He says, you may have chanted this. Um, and again, underscoring his fundamental point, this teaching must be practiced. It's a little ironic because, of course, Huenang begins his teaching by chanting a gata. And, of course, the whole Platform Sutra story is Huenang overhearing a gata from Diamond Sutra. And... 
it is indeed Red Pine who speculates that the gata with which Quenong starts his teaching on formlessness, uh, for, formless precepts, and, and then the uh, Prajnaparamita is the verse that concludes the Diamond Sutra. And I'll quote it a little bit later. Um, but though Quenong begins uh, by chanting this, he pushes away the notion that mere recitation, excuse me, uh, could be sufficient for our awakening. And he therefore emphasizes a more complete path to realization. Quenong says, this must be practiced with the mind and not simply chanted with the mouth. If the mouth chants it, but the mind doesn't practice it, it's like illusion, like a mirage, like dew, or like lightning. And this series of similes comes from the Diamond Sutra. But when the mouth chants it and the mind practices it, the mouth and mind are in harmony. Your original nature is the Buddha. Apart from this nature, there is no other Buddha. So this is a strong instruction from Huenang, right? He really takes a strong position here. And therefore, we can understand it in our own practices. The practice of Shikantaza, Zazen, must rise off the cushion through us and manifest every moment, sitting, standing, walking, lying down. This is to practice with whole body, heart, mind. The wisdom that manifests through this practice is the wisdom that sees emptiness, that perceives no abiding self, and understands the emptiness or boundlessness, boundlessness of thought, which is to say it does not identify our thoughts with small relative self. And this helps us understand that it is Avalokiteshvara, Bodhisattva, who instructs Shariputra, who was Buddha's great disciple. All of us, including Shariputra, tend to cling to thought as self because of our habituated consciousness. And I think it is really encouraging to us as modern people here in the West, that the Buddha's teaching permeated eventually throughout ancient India, migrated into China and throughout East Asia, Southeast Asia, and up into Tibet, around the world, that this is a deeply human problem and not simply a problem of us misguided Western people in latter days, right? So we can take heart in, in a certain respect and know this human problem is, is uh, not unique to the culture of the West. So through this practice, the great compassion bodhisattva manifests in us. Right? We start to see and here, with the 10,000 eyes and ears of Avalokiteshvara, the cries and sufferings of the world, 
the world where beings only see with a limited self, a self full of separation and suffering. We feel and see and perceive and understand that suffering that arises from this deeply human perception that we are alone and vulnerable. So our heart and eye of compassion opens. With each moment, we see that in all beings, including our own being. Because we do tend to fall back into that, that conditioned way of seeing and understanding. Red Pine takes us a little further when he explains how Huenang moves beyond the teaching of the formless precepts and instructs about the foundation on which it rests. Now that his audience, meaning Huenang's audience, has received the formless precepts and taken refuge in the three treasures, Buddha, Dharma, Sangha, within, Huenang explains the teaching from which all of this developed and on which Mahayana Buddhism is founded. Red Pine goes on to say, depending on how one understands the Sanskrit word yana, the Mahayana is the great path or the great vehicle. And what is great is the mind. The path or vehicle represents the realization and manifestation of the mind, which is our Buddha nature. So when we're putting this into practice, a path or vehicle represents the realization and manifestation of the mind, which is our Buddha nature. And this nature, which is not only our nature, but the nature of all beings and all things, is defined and characterized by this emptiness, this boundlessness. And according to the Mahayana, emptiness is not a negation, but rather an affirmation. All right, so this is tricky, right? According to the Mahayana Buddhist view, emptiness is not a negation, but rather an affirmation, an affirmation of our ineffable unity with all beings and all things. And thus it is that Huenang likens this nature of ours to space because it embraces all things, right? From the cup, to the wall, to the books, to the screen, to the paper, all of it. The feeling of the cup in the hand, the thoughts uh, arising in mind, the words on the tongue, the feelings in the body, the presence of other beings, likened to space, the spaciousness, the boundlessness of this emptiness. The Diamond Sutra Gata, which Huenang chants to start his teaching, underscores this underlying truth about reality. All created things are like a dream, an illusion, a bubble, a shadow, like dew or like lightning. View everything like this. 
So after the series of similes, the instruction, view everything with this eye of emptiness. Uh, and yet, as we've observed, our minds are profoundly conditioned and habituated. Across all cultures, throughout human history, we tend to identify thoughts as self and cling to them and cling to our ideas of self and other. I am here. You are over there. And this is how we get trapped in samsara, circling around and around with this idea. So it is not easy to open into this way of seeing and understanding, this Mahayana vision that Huynung is instructing us in. There is this profound need for practice, for opening the hand of thought, as Uchiyama expresses it, rather than constantly clenching down on it. The repetition of practice penetrates thoroughly and helps us to continue opening our heart and eye of compassion for ourselves and for all selves and beings. So we can really appreciate Dogen instructing us in continuous practice, his concept of how it is never cut off, the circle of the way. We are always practicing Practice enlightenment, practice awakening, practice realization. Huenung asks rhetorically, what does paramita mean? In our language, we say, what leads to the other shore? Which means that which transcends birth and death. When we are attached to objects, we give rise to birth and death, like when waves form on water. This is what we mean by this shore. When we are free of objects, there is no birth and death, like when a river flows on forever. So we say this leads to the other shore. This is what we mean by a paramita. Red Pine clarifies this. Prajna does not mean to get rid of thoughts, just to keep thoughts free of ignorance, which is to say our ignorance of this holistic unity, this emptiness, this boundlessness. If we can do just that, then every thought becomes a thought of wisdom, a thought of things as no things a thought as no thought. This in the practice of prajna, every affliction becomes a, a door to enlightenment. The nature of affliction and enlightenment, in fact, are not different. But unless we practice prajna, affliction is affliction, and enlightenment is enlightenment, and the two are worlds apart. This is Red Pine 
on pages 171 and 172. So opening into this insight is itself prajna, itself a function of the process of our practice in zazen, in shikantaza zazen mind, sitting, standing, walking, lying down. Intimacy with our suffering awakens into prajna, into wisdom, compassion. This is the foundation of the Mahayana, because it is the origin of the Bodhisattva path, the root insight that leads us to help others cross out of suffering. Again, Red Pine deepens our understanding of this point. He writes, The word Prajnaparamita goes back more than 2,000 years to the first Mahayana Buddhists, who combined Prajna with paramita to distinguish their formless form of prajna from all other forms of prajna. Depending on how we parse it, paramita means perfection, or it means transcendent, what leads to the other shore. It's kind of repeating what we mentioned moments ago. This formless form of prajna is the perfection of wisdom that transcends the realms of mundane objects and metaphysical dharmas. The realm of Prajnaparamita is pervaded by emptiness or boundlessness instead. And thus, and this is a cool point Red Pine draws us into here, thus Prajnaparamita is also viewed as a goddess from whose womb of emptiness all enlightened beings come forth. This is because it is through the practice of the formless wisdom that Buddhas become Buddhas. Prajna not only gives birth to Buddhas, Prajna is what Buddhas are made of. It is another name for our Buddha nature. Prajna is the nature of wisdom, and wisdom is the nature of Prajna. Prajna gives birth to Prajna. This is the ancient lineage to which all Buddhas belong. That's on 172, 173. I couldn't help. I couldn't resist quoting that uh, from Red Pine. So this feminization of prajna wisdom and compassion helps us open into the human truth. We are loving kindness, compassion, and wisdom insight when we practice deeply and consistently. As Dogen says, continuous practice forms the circle of the way, and is never cut off. As Red Pine says, those who practice the prajna, the paramita of prajna, transform delusion into wisdom, greed into morality, and anger into meditation. Um, I think it's helpful, again, when we think back to uh, Dale Wright's wonderful book on the six paramitas, and he calls... Buddhism and the cultivation of character, right? He um, he obviously leads us through each of the uh, paramitas, from generosity to ethics, et cetera, et cetera. But he also is careful to not just write that book as an academic, but to write as a practitioner 
of this practice and to understand that it is prajna, which we typically kind of think is the sixth and final of the six paramitas, pervades all of the others, generosity, morality, uh, uh, forbearance or patience, uh, virya, energy, our concentration, meditation, all of these are pervaded with prajna and therefore they become uh, elevated from just something that we strive to do with a sort of grasping mind, uh, but rather we are perfecting them as our practice goes deeper and deeper. So again, Red Pine uh, clarifying at the end of that uh, series of ideas, those who practice the prajna, the, the, pra the paramita of prajna transform delusion into wisdom, greed or desire, into morality, being upright, and anger uh, in, or aversion into meditation, concentration. Even more encouraging for our practice, there is a different kind of wisdom for every passion that arises. Just as there is a different med medication for every illness. But these countless forms of wisdom all originate in the one formless wisdom of our Buddha nature, which manifests itself as no thought, no memory, and no attachment. So it is vital that we remember we are practicing the wisdom that sees emptiness, which is to say emptiness of self, to say emptiness of all beings, the wisdom insight of boundlessness and of interbeing, as Thich Nhat Hanh would express it. And it's also helpful to remember that, you know, when we drop this and we fall back into the clenched fist of thought, identifying with it as self, as our self as separate, our practice gives us that ability to feel into that, to really notice that. And there we are back in practice immediately in, in, in our noticing, right? In our mindful awareness. Oh, I'm really feeling that now, that separation, that pain. Kuenang instructs those who practice the paramita of prajna transform delusion into wisdom, greed into morality, anger into meditation. So when we have those constrictions or contractions, we are more likely to say, oh, I better sit now. You know, or if we're with a friend or a partner, we might say, you know, maybe can we sit on the floor right now and talk about this? Maybe just be quiet. Coming back to practice is prajna. So when we see in this way, our eye of practice opens. We let go that grip of small self. This enables our practice to manifest in the world as sila, ethical conduct. Uh, even when we make mistakes which we do, being human, and we then have to own them. Oh, I'm sorry. 
I made a mistake when I said or did that thing. Wholehearted practice of the 16 bodhisattva precepts because we understand from emptiness the suffering of all beings who have yet to cross to the other shore. This is why Huenang instructs by referencing the Diamond Sutra, the sutra on the mind that cuts through delusion, the diamond that illuminates the truth of Buddha nature. He states, if you wish to enter the Dharma realm of the deep mind, the samadhi of prajna, you need to practice the practice of prajna, paramita. Memorizing the diamond, you will be able to see your nature and enter the prajna, samadhi. This is the teaching of the supreme vehicle, spoken on behalf of those with a great capacity for the highest wisdom. When those who follow the Mahayana hear about the diamond, their minds expand with understanding. Thus, our original nature already possesses the wisdom of prajna. And when we use this wisdom to view things, we don't depend on words. It's like the rain, which doesn't originally come from the heavens, but from the dragon king, who draws this water from the rivers and seas, then uses it to nourish every being and plant, sentient and non-sentient. And the rivers all flow back into the ocean, and the ocean absorbs and combines them into its one body. The Prajna wisdom that is the original nature of all beings, is like this. Huenang explains that while all beings, all of us without exception, have intrinsic Buddha nature, we must practice to awaken, realize, and manifest it. And therefore, when our roots of passion, both desire and aversion, run deep, we struggle to open the hand of thought, struggle to open not just to hear a teaching, but to hear it deep within and resonate with it and allow it to flower like a lotus in the garden of enlightenment. At the end of this section in Platform Sutra, Red Pine clarifies Huenang one more time. To see our own nature is to see the nature of reality. There is no greater insight, no greater realization. Hence, we need all the help we can get. Red Pine Statement, right? Such help might come in the form of a sutra, but it might also come in the form of instruction by a spiritual advisor. But the sort of instruction or advice we need to free, for, free ourselves from suffering can also be found within ourselves. And even if we do receive instruction from someone else, it won't have the desired effect unless it strikes a chord within us, unless it agrees with what we already know, but have somehow forgotten. All the teachings of the Buddha are present within us because all Buddhas and all teachings arise from this very nature that we have within us. Thank you. You've been listening to a Dharma Talk from Prairie Mountain Zen Center in Longmont, Colorado. To learn more about us or to make a donation, visit us at prairiemountain.org.